You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Mm. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, uh. brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go hello and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football round table podcast it is just about the start of super wild card weekend we have six games over three days including three games in prime time it's enough to probably drive every football fan's wife crazy uh, but it should be a fun and spectacular three days of football. Dennis, are you excited? I am excited. I, uh, I'm i I'm ready to go all rolling stones on this gig and get my yayas out here. It's, uh, you know, the playoffs are here. Fantasy seasons are over. I've, I've literally turned down my first invitation to a new dynasty league. I was strong. I held out. As interesting as it sounded, I was able to say, you know what, I'm actually legitimately trying to cut back. And so not only did I turn that down, but I've officially left at least one league so far. Um, you know, I set 25 lineups last season. It was a grind while we're trying to produce content at Dynasty Nerds. And I know we talked a little bit about, are we going to do a playoff challenge kind of thing? And neither one of us were really like, it, I don't think it was that we didn't really want to. It's like neither one of us wanted to run it. And so I'm sitting here, I'm like going, you know what? I may play a little bit of DFS, but that's it. I'm not going to get into contests. And I, I just haven't researched like how the leagues are set up and who's, you know, what they're doing. I, I 
honestly, if, if somebody asks me and they're doing it for a worthy cause, I'll just go ahead and make a donation, you know, rather than have to worry about it. I think we need to transition. Like, what are we doing off season? You know, we're going to dive back into dynasty and, you know, I got to get my rookie evaluations up to speed and I got to get a whole bunch of stuff going with dynasty nerds. And so honestly, I could use the break of not having to figure out lineups and look at leagues. And I've already got people sending me trade offers and I'm like, damn it. I just, the season just ended. Let me, let me catch my breath here. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way. First of all, my, my wife's in the room with me and she gave me the confirmation. She is not excited about super wild card weekend but she is excited to go play bingo with her friends tomorrow so uh it'll be me and uh, my true best friend my cat ellie uh who just will be watching football ellie will be excited uh for that but i'm kind of like you i'm actually looking forward to this postseason watching football and just enjoying football without thinking about any scoring uh because you know i i like playoff uh, competitions, but sometimes it's nice to get a little break. I'm also like you. I made a actual New Year's resolution about cutting down. Uh, I haven't begun the process of calling yeah. one of our yeah. leagues disbanded. Uh, no, you know what? I was just about 30 last year, and I'm going to go a little bit lower. I I think Matt and I both hit our zenith uh, a couple of years ago and realized it was completely stupid because right. you just, I don't feel like I was that great of a manager this year either. And stuff's been picking up at work. We started two new projects this week and I was just like, I need a little bit of a break, but we are going to dive in and look at all six playoff games. Before we do that, we'll touch on a couple of hot stove news items. Most of that ends up having to do with coaches who are either going or in the case of our first beast saying there's been a lot of speculation about Sean McVay. He seemingly released all of his assistant coaches. I, for one, thought he was pretty much out the door, but apparently breaking news today, he has confirmed that he plans to return next season. Dennis, are you surprised? Well, I think, I think fantasy managers, dynasty managers in particular, are why he's returning. Because we all went out on social media and we're like, oh, Sean McVay is a dynasty manager now that sells off all of his assets and then leaves the league. And we're riding his ass on there. And I think he's reading that and going, oh, my God, I can't be that guy. I don't want, to, I want, I don't want people talking about me like that. No, just kidding. Um, I was going to say, there's no chance. <laughs> Maybe our friend Matt, he's not here today. Maybe he's the one that's going to return. He's taking on the doppelganger yeah, role. Body double. I, I'm i not really surprised. I mean, it could have, I wouldn't have been surprised either way. You know, we, we've observed, I, I, I won't say we know because we don't actually do the job. But things we've heard and read, being an NFL head coach is an uber stressful job. And it can wear you down fast. It doesn't matter if you're young like McVay is or old like Belichick or uh, Pete Carroll. If you don't have the right approach to it, it grinds you down pretty quickly. And I think McVay has a pretty intense approach to it. Um, Losing Aaron Donald and, and Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford 
I think all of these things made for a tough season. And after winning the Super Bowl, I feel like it's there's a certain point of pride he's saying, I don't want my last image to be this team that fell apart. So I think he's coming back. You know, LaFleur was let go in New York. Would it surprise anybody if he ends up in L.A. as the offensive coordinator? It's almost like, you know, we're just waiting for the announcement right now. You know, there's there's some interesting head coach candidates. We'll see how they play out. Um, you know, D'Amico Ryans is the guy. Him and Eric Bieniemy, I think, are probably the at handicap the most because they could conceivably meet in the Super Bowl, and that means they don't get a lot of access to be able to go do interviews uh, along the way, and positions could fill up. But I kind of like the thought that, you know, LaFleur and McVeigh together in Los Angeles yeah. that may be very, very good. So you reference this usually uh, the last the day after the last week uh, is referred to as Black Monday. We've <laughs> in the past few years seen quite a few uh, head coaching uh, firings. This year we saw three during the regular season, which uh, seemed like kind of a lot. And then Lovey Smith. Um, for the Texans and um, Cliff Kingsbury for the Cardinals got let go. But so far we've only seen five. There may be more, which we will touch on when we do some of the playoff games. But have you been surprised that we haven't seen more openings come up? And of the five spots that are open, Indianapolis, Carolina, Denver, Houston, and Arizona, which of those do you think is the most appealing? You know, I, there's something to be said for patience and putting together a solid team. And I think some ownership teams are starting to try to pull back and say, maybe we shouldn't be so reactionary and change coordinators and head coaches and general managers every other year because that doesn't seem to be or working. In the case well. of Denver and Houston, it's just every year, apparently. Right. And there, there are some, I think, decent situations to, to go into. I think Denver, they've got a strong defense, some really good skill position players, and a decent offensive line. It all is predicated on can Russ bounce back from a terrible year. And we saw a couple games at the end of the season where he started to be more productive after Hackett was let go. So that seems like a, a decent opportunity. Indianapolis sands the quarterback. They've got Jonathan Taylor. They've got Michael Pittman. Uh, they've got uh, Jelani Woods. Immediate, an average offensive line. Some really good pieces on defense with J Jair Franklin and uh, uh, Shaquille Leonard and uh, – is it DeForest Buckner that's in? Yeah, DeForest Buckner. I mean, let's hope Shaq Leonard actually plays in 2020. Yeah, so, you know, they they have some really good pieces. They just need a quarterback, and they have a pretty high draft pick. So what are they, fourth, I think? Yeah, they are pick four right now. So the, theoretically, they could get the third quarterback. Um, they could possibly move up a little bit. 
Um, I still don't see Chicago taking a quarterback. I, I don't either. Um, and the third pick is um, somebody else that I didn't think would take a quarter. It's Seattle, I think. No, because Denver came back. It was somebody else that that wouldn't take a. I'll look it up. So, uh, Houston, you know, Houston isn't a good situation. Uh, I think the front office in Houston is a train wreck. Um, I think it's a travesty that they're letting Nick Casario hire a third uh, head coach in three years. So that's what I was going to say. The third pick is the Arizona Cardinals, and I don't think they would take a quarterback. They right. they need to get a veteran bridge quarterback because of Kyler Murray's injury, but I don't think they would draft one. So Indianapolis probably just watching for somebody who from the outside who can make a sweetheart deal with the other Cardinals or the Bears to move in. I that's my biggest question about this is I, I'm going to go ahead and say the Panthers and the Cardinals don't have GMs because I believe Rule was kind of doing I don't maybe the Panthers have a GM and in name only I would have questions about who's in those organizations right. and on the flip side Houston Indianapolis and Denver have a chasm at GM so that's what always gives me pause I think it's charitable you think the Broncos have a decent offensive line line was an issue they did have injuries um, but I think offensive line is actually an issue with with both Denver and um, Indianapolis. And I tend to think, I've mentioned this before, that Arizona is going to use this opportunity to flip some of the high-cost veterans that they have because they're probably not really competing very strongly in 2023. I think Hopkins is gone. We saw Watt retire. Ertz, I think, either retires or is dealt. So that could be, when people talk about how great that roster is, I'm not sure that's the roster whoever takes over is getting. Right, right. I, I, I feel like Hopkins is on his way out. I think I, I whoever ends up there, I think the the realization is is that they need to do some work. And keeping a 31-year-old wide receiver with a high cap number around isn't going to help you do the work. Do you know where I'd like to see Hopkins go? Where I think he, he would just crush it? If you say Kansas City, I might have to t- knock you out for a minute. Kansas City, man. I think it would be fucking beautiful. Well, and they, you know, they can get a lot of cap back by getting out of the MVS contract, and I'm not sure that exactly worked out. He had a better season than I thought when I looked at his numbers. I just don't think it was spectacular. But MVS is the perfect complement to DeAndre Hopkins, though. Hopkins is that mid-range guy. They've got Kelsey in the middle and uh, underneath. MBS is the field stretcher that they need. Tony can do it, but Tony's the gadget guy. I mean, it it will, won't do anything. Bringing Hopkins in, keeping Tony isn't going to do anything good for the running back situation there. That would be a hard avoid for fantasy, even McKinnon if he goes back. And I believe he's a free agent. But Juju and Hardman are both free agents. I think if if DeAndre Hopkins, my dream landing spot for him is Kansas City. So I think the last thing before we hit previews is uh, Bill Belichick staying in New England, but has seemingly admitted that his 2022 plan wasn't of sound mind and execution. And they are going to go out and get an offensive coordinator. We don't know who that's going to be. But what will you take away from the Matt Patricia, Joe Judge offensive era? 
that it was offensive. That's in every sense of the word. I think the happiest person has to be Mac Jones. He's like, people are now talking about me like I might be a bust, and 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 people are chanting for Bailey Zappi. Get me a receiver. Get me. That's actually part of me wonders if New England guts yeah. up because they can't draft a wide receiver to save their lives. No, and they've got lots of cap space too, so they they could fit him in. Like if if Hopkins went to Kansas City. They only have 14.1 or 14.6 million in cap space. They're going to have to restructure, convert to bonus, add void years on the end to make it work. Cut MBS and get 9 million back. But I, but I, again, I don't think, I think you keep MBS. I think he's, he's I want to know what percentage of the contract you're getting as his secondary agent. You know, just dig the guy's game. I just, Well, let's move uh, into Super Wild Card Weekend. As I said, we have three glorious days of football. It kicks off tomorrow afternoon with the 9-8 and eight Seattle Seahawks at the 13-4 and four San Francisco 49ers. Every single one of these six games this week features two teams who played each other during the regular season. In the case of the Seahawks and the 49ers, it's one of three matchups in Wild Card Weekend that are division rivals and in this particular rivalry, the 49ers swept the Seahawks this year, winning 27-7 to in their first matchup, which was in Week 2. That was the game where Trey Lance was lost for the season, and Jimmy G came in and kind of bailed them out. And then they played again in Week 15, a 21-13 to victory with Brock Purdy under center. So Seahawks had to wait until the end of the very last game of the regular season to find out they made the playoffs what do you expect the Seahawks defense to do to try to contain the 49ers? And what are you expecting from Brock Purdy? He was 5-0 and as a starter in the regular season. 49ers have the weight of huge expectations going into the playoffs. Will he be able to stand up to it? You know, Purdy has been, I just had it here, uh, since he's been a starter, he's quarterback six. Um, and he's already beaten the... Seahawks once and we've seen it with Tampa and Brad Johnson and Baltimore and Trent Dilfer I with this San Francisco defense the biggest detriment to them winning the Super Bowl is going to be if they have to face I'm probably more nervous if they have to face um, Kansas City than I am if they have to face Buffalo, in part because I just don't know how much explosiveness if they have to go tit for tat with with a super explosive team. But the defense can bail them out. Nick Bosa is a monster. Dre Greenlaw, they have pieces all over that defense. It's filled with difference makers. And it would be a very exciting game. Uh, can they beat Seattle this weekend? Yeah, I, I think they're going to handle them. Um, I, I think that Kenneth Walker will have an okay game, but the efficiency won't be where we would like it to be. Um, you know, Geno came back to earth the second half of the season. Well, he was QB 13 the last five games, which is still good, but, I mean, he was, what, top six? The for about 10 weeks there. So, you know, he was down there pretty far from Brock Purdy and 
but he also he was dealing with uh, Kenneth Walker being injured. I know San Francisco they had Mitchell out, but they got Christian McCaffrey. Debo was out. They had Brandon Ayuk. And, and both Brock those Purdy, guys are back now. Mitchell and Debo Samuel have cleared, which is and Brock Purdy loves to throw the ball to George Kittle. It's the off. They, they've got you know if they have all their weapons, and while I don't know how high Purdy's ceiling is. You know, through five games, QB six is pretty good. I, I'm I'm expecting, I'm not going to say a romp, but it feels like after um, this team's played them twice already, I feel like they're going to have a pretty good game plan, and a ten point victory isn't going to be a surprise to me. Yeah, because I think it's a lot about the San Francisco defense, too. And as you mentioned, Geno Smith cooled off a little bit, still had an incredible year. I still think he ends up being the quarterback in Seattle next year. If not Seattle, there would be no shortage of teams that need a quarterback that will take a look at him. That offense just wasn't quite as explosive for Seattle down the stretch. And San Francisco, I mean, Elijah Mitchell out of week 18 came off of IR and rolled up two touchdowns. Debo Samuel has no injury designation going to this week. That means that they have a full complement of pretty exceptional weapons on offense to go along with that defense. I am picking the 49ers. I assume you are as well. I am. I, uh, I'm curious, though, because I know part to me, part of the issue in Seattle, um, well, I guess Walker only missed about one game in the last, the back half of the season. So I, was, I wanted to see how, how much effect that may have had on Geno, but he, he played down the stretch except for week 14, and that might have even been their bye. Uh, no, yeah, he missed one game. This uh, second San Francisco matchup, Will, uh, Walker actually came back uh, in week 15 when they played in that. Um, he only had three battle. carries in week 13, so I'm going to say he was yeah. out week 14 with the injury. So, yeah, and it he actually played in that second San Francisco game and didn't do too badly, but didn't have the kind of explosions that he's had against other teams. So we will have to see the second game on Saturday is probably the more interesting of the games on that day as the 10 and seven Los Angeles chargers play at the nine and eight Jacksonville Jaguars. These two teams met in week three of the regular season. It wasn't particularly close as the Jaguars won 38 to 10 that kind of set uh set a lot of people thinking and uh the chargers were able to bounce back a little bit from that the jags actually lost five games in a row after that meeting before closing the season really strong the chargers won four of their last five games but lost last week and drew a lot of criticism for their head coach brandon staley because they played all their starters with nothing really to gain mike williams one of those starters took an injury actually has a fracture in his back and is now out basically for the entire postseason. That puts a lot more pressure on the Chargers. Jaguars, meanwhile, finished hot. They won the first meeting. Dennis, can the Jaguars win again and keep this rolling? And if the Chargers don't get a win, is Brandon Staley in trouble? So the Jaguars are hot. Um, they're playing well. They're healthy. Travis Etienne's playing well. Zay Jones and Christian Kirk have developed into a very, very good wide receiver tandem. And Evan Ingram has just had a phenomenal year. 
The defense plays well. They've got a couple pieces there that really perform. I still think the Chargers have a really good shot, even without Mike Williams. Dwayne McFarlane from uh, uh, Matthew Berry's Fantasy Life would put up some numbers uh, in the three games that Josh Palmer and Keenan Allen played together with Mike Williams out. Palmer averaged 8.7 targets for a 25% target share, 6.7 receptions, 74 yards, 0.7 touchdowns, and 18 fantasy points. And in one of those games, Keenan Allen went off for 30.6 points. So I, I feel pretty good that while they're not going to have the explosiveness of Mike Williams, Joshua Palmer has stepped up all season when Allen and Williams were out. And DeAndre Carter is a is a real treat, a deep threat. Um, so it isn't like losing Mike Williams leaves the Chargers completely bereft of skill position players. And I haven't even mentioned Austin Eckler yet, who was what, running back one on the season? Um, yeah, he had a phenomenal year. So it it's going to be a great matchup, I think. But I do agree that if Staley loses, if the Chargers lose this game, I will not be surprised if Los Angeles is in the market for a head coach. Yeah, and I think that comes, Staley has been on somewhat of a hot seat throughout the season. There was a lot of questioning about whether this team, and that goes back to last season where it seemed like they definitely underachieved a little bit to close the year. I think there are two big differences that have seemingly gotten lost from that week three matchup. One, Keenan Allen wasn't in that game. And you're right, he has been incredibly hot down the stretch, uh, which has helped them greatly. And two, that game was not very far removed. People have seemingly forgot because he missed no time. But Justin Herbert got really banged up at the beginning of the season and was not the same player in that late September game that he is now. So I think this could be a different matchup. That being said, I love the way the Jaguars ended the season and really are on a tear. I think they get the win here. I'm picking the Jaguars. You know, I, I just feel like the Jags are a year early, um, you know, with the new head coach, they're playing really good. Uh, I'm going to go chargers. It's going to be a fun game, no matter what. I'm sure NBC is pretty excited. And Al Michaels returning to NBC for this game, calling it with Tony Dungy. Kind of excited to hear what that one is like. I think I thought I saw a headline that said Michaels was referring to Thursday night football as like being a used car salesman. And now he's at a luxury dealership Saturday night. And it should be a good one. The first game on Sunday is probably going to be a little less competitive, and that's okay because you won't want to listen to the announcing track. I am glad America is finally starting to realize that Tony Romo is not good. Uh, I saw him take a lot of flack for last week's game, so that did my heart good. The Buffalo Bills, 14, uh, 13 and 3, are hosting the 9 and 8 Miami Dolphins, who barely made the playoff field. Tua has been ruled out. Teddy Bridgewater might be active, but will not start. The Dolphins are going with Skylar Thompson again. So, this is a matchup of division rivals. They split during the regular season, but Tua was the starting quarterback in both those matchups. In week three, the Dolphins actually got the Bills in Miami, a 21 to 19 game. That was actually Tua's first concussion game, but the, the the Dolphins were still able to win. They met again in week 15 in what was a really fun classic Saturday night snow game. The Bills came from behind to get the win 32 to 29. 
Dennis, do you expect this game to be as close and exciting as either of the two regular season matchups with Thompson in there? I don't expect this game to be close at all. I mean, God bless Skylar Thompson and being a tryhard, but I mean, I think as as consumers of NFL football, the league should have just said, hey, we're going to go ahead and match up the Dolphins and the Ravens, and neither one of you are going to advance, but at least the game will be competitive. Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is TPPN, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TPPN, only at DraftBook Sportsbook, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the descriptions for the episode for details. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I don't expect it to be close either. This is one of the ones that has a big point spread that I think will earn it. Uh, the Dolphins were barely able to get the 11-6 victory over the Jets last week with Thompson. The only saving grace to me for the Dolphins could be the, in that second matchup that they had with the Bills, they were able to run really well. That was a huge running game for Raheem Mostert, who uh, comes into this one with a broken hand. They have Jeff Wilson back. If they can run enough, they can shorten the game and time of possession still I'm taking the bills and I think they'll probably win by a couple touchdowns. Yeah. I believe most has been declared out. Um, I also am taking the bills and it wouldn't, we, who, who backs up uh, Josh Allen case Keenum. Yes. Case Keenum. And you're right. Mostert just got declared out today. So that's even worse for them. So I, I think we may see some case Keenum in this game. The middle game of our uh, triple header on Sunday is the New York Giants 9-7-1 at the Minnesota Vikings, who finished the season 13-4. Uh, and four. These two teams actually met in week 16 of the regular season, with the Vikings holding on to a narrow 27-24 win. Uh, the Giants performed above expectation throughout this year, and Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley looked really good. Uh, they had a decent game the first time these two teams met. They got kind of a little bit of a blow last week as the Giants rested their starters and still managed to push the Eagles, who needed a win to secure the number one seed. Meanwhile, it's been a tough year for the Vikings. They won a lot of close games. They have an impressive record. But in games that have mattered, including down the stretch, they have struggled mightily. They got blown out by the Packers. They got blown out by the Cowboys. They lost to the Eagles. They lost to the Detroit Lions. They have not looked incredibly good in a lot of these games. They had a lot of good one-score luck. So this, you always get one weird upset on Super Wild Card Weekend, and I'm just going to say it right now. I'm taking the Giants. I think the Giants get this game. Dennis, how are you feeling? I, I, 
I've been leaning Minnesota most of the week. You know, Dalvin Cook and, and TJ Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, the, the offensive line has played better, but I think O'Neal is banged up and out their right tackle. The defense has played well. But, man, Kayvon Thibodeau has come on with that defense and provided a spark on the defensive side of the ball. He's just been creating chaos for the offenses. And I think that's going to present an issue for Kirk Cousins. And the Giants, while they don't have diddly for wide receivers, no offense to Isaiah Hodgins um, or Richie James, but to but to sit in preseason and say, hey, we're going to ride this playoff team with Isaiah Hodgins and, and Richie James at wide receiver deep into the playoffs, I think people would have called us crazy. Now, Barkley is having a great year. Uh, Daniel Jones is playing really well. Whatever magic Brian Dayball brought with him from Buffalo that he had sprinkled on Josh Allen, he's sprinkling it on Daniel Jones. I expect Jones and Saquon Barkley to both be back in New York next year. I mean, hell, Kenny Galladay caught a touchdown pass last weekend. Uh, I think that portends well for for the Giants this week, and I think you, you, you've converted me for this week. I think the Giants are going to upset the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, we make jokes a lot of the end of the regular season that the Vikings were going to be the quintessential top seed that rolls out and loses their first playoff game. They get a, you know, the matchup with the Giants is more favorable than some of the matchups they could have gotten, but I, I still think, I think that in the end, the Giants get it done. And cement Brian Dable's coach of the year as if getting the Kenny Galladay touchdown didn't do it already. Uh, Sunday night football is the Baltimore Ravens 10 and 7 at the Cincinnati Bengals 12 and 4. Earlier in the season, these two teams met when Lamar Jackson was still on the field. The Ravens were able to get the victory. They met again last week in week 18, 27 to 16 victory for the Bengals. Lamar Jackson is going to most likely be out again. I don't know if they've officially declared him out. He sort of officially declared himself they, out. They have. Okay, finally officially declared him out. Tyler Huntley was banged up too and was a little bit on the fence. So there are plenty of questions about this Ravens offense. Meanwhile, they get a pretty complete Bengals team that actually finished winning its last eight games in a row. So Dennis, what do the Ravens need without Lamar Jackson to hang in this one? I, I just don't think they, they have enough. Um, you know, we've talked about, Snoop Huntley and how he's like Lamar Jackson light, but he's really light. He just, you know, what is he? One and eight or one and nine or one and 10 filling in. I think he's one and eight because he didn't take the loss last week. That was all Anthony all right, Brown. That was Anthony Brown. Um, you know, JK Dobbins has looked good coming back from his injury. Uh, they don't have anything at wide receiver. Bateman being out all year, the trading away of uh, Hollywood Brown. <clears throat> really, what the Ravens have is Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely. Uh, Demarcus Robinson is leading them. The 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 you know shell of Sammy Watkins is back for another run in in Baltimore, but they just don't have enough weapons 
to keep up with the explosiveness that Cincinnati brings to the table. Uh, I, I like a lot of the players, but, you know, if I'm playing in these uh, leagues where you've got to pick a player to go all the way, uh, I, I'm certainly not. I mean, Andrews would be the guy you wanted to pick from the Ravens, but you virtually can't because then you're without a tight end for the rest of the way. Um, I, I like some of the players. I think that J.K. Dobbins has phenomenal vision. He's still not 100%. We've seen it. He's breaking off big plays, but he isn't running away from people like he did in his rookie year. Mark Andrews is still Mark Andrews, but they don't have a quarterback that can, that can consistently get him the ball. And so that ends up kind of hampering them. The Bengals, on the other hand, they've got, I mean, Joe Burrow lifts everybody. And then Jamar Chase is, he's that guy that he, he's the like the Kyler Murray of wide receivers. Like you could be heading into the fourth quarter with Jamar Chase and he's caught two passes for 14 yards. And then at the end of the game, he's got seven passes for 130 and two touchdowns. And it's like, sometimes you just can't watch it, um, but he's going to produce. T Higgins is great. Uh, it, it's the three. I, I think that Cincinnati has the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, when you include Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon is still, well, not a greatly efficient runner. He's a good three down back. Samaji P. Ryan fills in as the change of pace very nicely. Hayden Hurst is playing well. And Joe Burrow, he, he's the Reggie Jackson, to use a baseball reference. You know, Reggie was, they called Reggie was the straw that stirred the drink. And that's what Joe Burrow is. He's the straw that stirs the drink in Cincinnati. And uh, I, I think this is, like I said, the Ravens should have played um, Miami and been told that no, neither one of you. It doesn't matter who wins; you're both going home. But we're gonna do we're gonna do it this way, so it's competitive. Yeah, it's kind of. I mean, Baltimore made the playoffs and kind of locked up their spot uh, a couple weeks ahead, but they definitely don't seem like the strongest competitor. I am certainly taking the Cincinnati Bengals as well. So am I. So the final game is the Monday night game on uh, what is a holiday for many people. It's the 12 and 5 Dallas Cowboys at the 8 and 9 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers end up getting a home game, get to host uh, by virtue of winning the NFC South where no teams were 500 or better. These two teams actually met on the first Sunday night football game of the year with the Buccaneers winning 19 to 3. That was a game where Dak Prescott broke his thumb and it looked like the Cowboys season might be over. The Cowboys rallied, ended up getting to 12 wins, had a tough loss last week, 26 to 6 to the the commanders, but otherwise were in the running for potentially winning the NFC East behind the Red Hot Eagles all the way to Week 18. The Buccaneers, meanwhile, have struggled with massive offensive line issues. Tom Brady has been back there, been able to work some magic at times. So, Dennis, do you expect that Tom Brady can do it again in this rematch, or will the Cowboys find their offense? I... I want to be able to pick the Buccaneers. 
but I just think Micah Parsons is like he's like the butcher with his thumb on the scale there. It's like when you just when you're thinking about oh I'm gonna pick the Buccaneers, it's like Micah Parsons is pressing on the scale going, really? You really want to do that, do you? Dallas has some, you know, Trayvon Diggs has played well this year, and Micah Parsons is is arguably the best defensive player in the league. Um, and while Dallas has Pollard and C.D. Lamb and Dalton Schultz and, and Dak, I, I feel like, well, they can be inconsistent sometimes. I kind of chalk that up to McCarthy a little bit. Uh, and as much as I want to be able to pick Tampa, I just think that the, the offensive line, while they've had a, a, you know, a season to kind of improve, there's only so much you can do with subpar talent. And the interior of that offensive line isn't very good. And I think that, you know, uh, Demarcus Lawrence or Dexter Lawrence, no, who's in the middle there? I think he I went think it is Dexter Lawrence. Is it? I know that somebody went to New York. I forget who it was. Um, but I, I just feel like they're going to be in a position where Dallas is going to get enough pressure on Brady. Now, Brady's probably going to throw it 50 times, 55 times. I don't know that Fournette's going to be able to run the ball. I don't know that Rashad White will make a big enough difference. It feels like one of those games where they get, you know, like somewhere, each of them get somewhere around five to eight carries, and Tom Brady just says, "I'll oh, screw it. I'm going to throw it on every, every down." And, and Chris Godwin has 17 targets or something like that. Uh, I, I like. I will I be surprised if Brady pulls it out? No, because it's Tom Brady. Uh, but I expect Dallas to win this game. So a couple follow-up questions, if. Uh... Tampa Bay loses. Do you think this is Brady's last game as a Buccaneer? Uh, I, um, wh- whichever whichever game is the last game of this season, I believe is Brady's last game as a Buccaneer because they're not going to franchise tag him. No. And so I I feel like he's going somewhere. He's he's going west, probably Las Vegas. The most interesting one has been that he might end up going to Miami, which would be a real interesting situation after they had to forfeit a draft pick this this uh week because of their interference yeah. or this year um another big kind of hot topic that's been stirring out there is mike mccarthy's future Der- jerry jones is pretty unequivocal that no matter what happens nothing would happen with mccarthy do you feel as unequivocal if dallas loses this game could this be it for mccarthy and dallas mccarthy is by all intents and purposes, a mediocre coach. And, you know, if that's what you're striving for, and it's you, Kellen Moore shares some of the blame with the play calling, um, but he's doing it with McCarthy's blessing and McCarthy's input. And we've seen McCarthy had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And that's what his reputation is built on. Uh, and I, I like Dak Prescott a lot, and Dallas has a lot of good players. But we see now sort of the limitations of a Mike McCarthy coach team. It's evident. Uh, 
I think he should be gone. He probably, I, I don't feel like he really should have been hired. And then when he came out with that, oh, I'm an analytics guy now, it's like he went down and did, you know, he basically did addition and subtraction on his whiteboard and said, look, analytics. And Jerry went, oh, man, that's cool. It's it's like, come on, man. Uh, will he – Jerry is the most overcommitted owner when it comes to players and coaches. I mean, he kept Jason Garrett for, you know, 17 years, it seemed like. Uh, he's still – Pounding Zeke up the middle when even me as a, a Zeke truther is like, eh, you might want to give that Pollard kid the ball a little more. Um, yeah, I don't think he will be gone. Uh, he probably should be, though. Yeah, I don't. I, the only thing, I don't put a lot of stock into Jerry Jones just saying, no, there's no way. Uh, to me, that, that smoke. But – I tend to think McCarthy will be back one season. I also I'm I'm picking Dallas. I think Dallas wins this game. Um which could, you know, if if everything I picked comes out, you'll have the interesting Giants Eagles and then an interesting playoff rematch from last year's playoffs with the Cowboys and the 49ers. Well, I like I said, I I tried to find reasons to make me pick Tampa. And in the end, I just think Dallas's defense is going to put so much pressure on Brady that it, they're just not going to be able to score enough points. If you would have told 2021 me that I was going to pick three NFC East teams to win uh, wild card games in the following postseason, I would have slapped myself. <laughs> and yet, here, here we, we are. are. <laughs> well, I guess the Eagles aren't. I didn't pick them to win. Three three NFC East teams to advance because the Eagles already got a free pass in there. Right. Here we are. Well, Dennis, if uh, people have a little free time on their hands while they're trying to watch the Dolphins move the ball, what do you think they should do this Sunday? Well, they should definitely download and listen, subscribe to the podcast because, well, you know, we're going to be more pleasing in your ear than this game uh, between Miami and Buffalo. So unless you're a Bills Mafia and you just enjoy watching your opponent get crushed, uh, download, listen, give us a follow on social media. Uh, we're on Twitter at uh, uh, Roundtable FF. So, Well, Dennis and I will be back on Monday to look at five of these games that will have been completed and see if we get any more news. You know, Sean Payton's out there interviewing with anyone that will have him. I doubt we'll have a decision by Monday, but, you know, it's coming at some point in time. Until then, hope you guys have a great weekend and enjoy some football. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. If you got your popcorn ready. I came out the wall line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head.